Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. If you head to Stephanie K's website, you will find blog posts with these kind of titles. Why you should eat bone-in meat. 11 low-carb food swaps. How to eat for healthy skin. 11 ways to eat more fat. 9 signs you're addicted to sugar. 12 reasons you aren't losing weight and why you should think, rethink cholesterol. So these articles and blogs are just the tipping point for the work registered holistic nutritionist Stephanie K provides on her website and with her clients. Known as Big Red, Stephanie's here to share her views on real food, crash diets, self-care, and is determined to explain why learning to cook is the single greatest thing that you can do for your health. Welcome to Living Your Life with Leanne Lang, the podcast brought to you by Extension Marketing. And of course, for more information, you can always head to extensionmarketing.com. Stephanie, I am so excited for this podcast. Amazing. Yeah. I'm excited to be here. Okay, so we've had so many segments as we were talking about. Yeah. We went years of doing yeah. segments on CTV Morning Live. I can't even remember, you know, all the things we touched on. I just know I always enjoyed eating oh, I too after that. you were there. Yeah. <laughs> it always tasted so good. And I think when I'm on your website, I get so hungry because you make you make the food just look so tempting, so delicious. Yeah. So congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and looking at that website and looking at the amount of articles and blog posts, yep. I mean, it is endless. Like it is. You've got like, it's amazing the information that you're providing. It's, uh, I mean, I was saying earlier, five years in now. So it's been like this steady stream of supplying content and information. And yeah, there's a ton of resources on there. But I just really want like my whole goal with everything is just to make sure that people are empowered and have the information that they need. So I'm trying to make it this hub for that. Mm -hmm. You've done a great job doing it. (laughs) But as you mentioned, it's been about five years of going really steady focused on on this part of yeah. of your life because it wasn't necessarily the part of your life that you know you had started come, yeah. coming out of high school and going for an education like this wasn't on the radar back no, then. No, so this is this is kind of my, I mean I know I'm still relatively young but this is more or less like my second career. Uh, my entire background like out of school was in marketing, specifically in sports marketing because I grew up as an athlete so I was like I want to work for the pros and I loved that and it was so fun and I don't regret any of it, but there was always this part of me that was like, just this pull to like food. Well, A, I like food, but just this pull to like food and nutrition and wanting to understand more. So eventually I kind of went back to school and pulled this 180 and I do not regret like a moment of it because it's been like literally life-changing. That's amazing, right? When you can take that leap of going back and saying, I'm going to re-educate myself. I want to learn more about this. But you were inspired to learn more. Like I I remember reading something that you got really frustrated reading so many articles that just had different viewpoints, right? Like it was like yes to this, no to the same thing in in two different articles. And it's frustrating. Exactly. Like like I said, my background was in sports. So, um, and I played rather competitively in basketball and rugby. But 
they, we would kind of talk about food and like, oh, eat protein post-workout and whatever. It was always just these little snippets. And I never really connected like as a kid or into my 20s, like how important food actually was. And it wasn't until I like stopped do- do- playing all of those sports and just became like a regular adult, if you will. <laughs> and I was like, oh, like, OK, you have to go to the gym and you have to like do this. So I started wanting to learn more because I wasn't having practice two hours a day, six, seven days a week. Right. It was like, oh, how do you actually just stay healthy Mm -hmm. without doing your sport? So when I started like looking into it at the beginning, I'm, you know, like most people, I'm getting information from like in touch magazine and like women's health. And I'm like, I don't know where to go. Like, what are the resources? Okay. This girl's fit. Like you're getting information there. And it was I started doing that. I was like, this is so confusing. Like Google says one thing, this is saying a different thing. That person's saying something different. And the more I started like researching it, the more interested I got, but also in a way, the more confused I got. And I was, part of me was like, this just doesn't make sense. Like we're being told to like take the yolks out of eggs and like turn cucumbers into juice. That's probably a bad example, but just these random things that I was like, is this logical? Like, why are we like destructing, deconstructing food in a way? And yeah, that was kind of the long story short. That was kind of like where, where, what we got me started. I love it. And I love too, the fact uh, that you talk about being active and being an incredibly active kid and yet really not knowing, right? You you just took for granted that you were exercising and playing a sport and working out that you didn't need to figure out the rest of it. And I think a lot of people get stuck in that is that they do have these childhoods or these university years where they're competing and they're playing sports. And then they wonder why 10 years post, you know, university, they're, you know, lazy eating like crap you know it's just it's just something hits that you're like oh I needed to keep going yeah rather than retiring from all of it yeah and whether like as an athlete obviously you have that um by default you're active right but Mm -hmm. food is just not really a conversation at all like I think in high school we were taught to make pretzels and I'm like how practical is that in home ec and like pretzels and boxers I'm like well that's not really helping me in adult life but we're just never taught really about food from like unless you're taught it in your home like we aren't taught Mm -hmm. it in school we aren't taught it where anywhere else I played really competitive sports sports and like I think one time I had a coach tell me like don't eat the skin on your chicken and like now I know that was bad in- information, but like nothing else. So it's like, just like go out into the world and figure it out. And it's really confusing. In your work, who do you see when you're writing a blog? Because I'm yeah. looking, okay, are you looking at the young, you know, 19 year old athlete who still, yeah. you know, needs to eat right for everything? Are you thinking of the middle-aged, you know, mom who's sitting yeah. home with two young kids? Like, who do you think about when you're writing? There's um. It's actually, I would describe it in two ways for two different people. Um, I'm talking to myself when I like got into like early adulthood or like my first career, like not a lot of skills in the kitchen, interested, but like doesn't really know how to make like oatmeal. Maybe that's it kind of thing, like interested, but wants more information. But that's one. But the bigger one, that's like the, you know, the, what do you call? word I'm looking for. You're like avatar. Like yeah, that my person. avatar yes. is, um, so let's say I'll use the term middle age, um, woman, maybe her kids are a bit older. She's kind of been working all this time and has never really taken the time to like, or had the time is maybe a better way to say it to like, um, work on herself 
or like make herself a priority. And that I would say is primarily the type of clientele that comes to me mm-hmm. and is really that's the person that I'm talking to. Almost like you're at a, you know, a little bit about food and you're intrigued, but like you're at an introductory level. Yeah. Like, yeah, not in a bad way. It's just you haven't had the time to do it. When you think of it from a woman's perspective and that you see yeah. the woman, are you still seeing the male version on the other side benefiting from either that the woman is changing the way they're cooking yeah. in the house? <laughs> yes, I would definitely say that that does happen by default. It's funny. I'll have women sign up for my one of my online programs and they'll be like, oh, like I'm signing up, but like my husband's doing it along with me kind mm-hmm. of thing. And that happens, right? The, you know, the, whoever is the primary cook in the house, you're, you're, by default, you're kind of going to be taking the other people. Mm-hmm. along with you because a lot of the times i find men are cooking yeah more and more more, more yeah. in the home right for sure uh, in my household i do the salads yeah like i love making my love salads uh, and veggies but tony does all of the actual like cooking yeah. cooking right if yeah. there's a meat a protein you know anything that you know involves not chopping and yeah. prep <laughs> that, yeah, like that involves heat yeah, yeah. or combination of things like yeah. he does it right and Which so it's great. always it's always a combined effort but it's yeah. but we both have our strengths and our weaknesses yeah. right so and it's funny I, if i was to further describe my avatar i would kind of say that if we're looking at a household perspective just mm-hmm. dive deep on this example is that neither of those people are really interested in cooking at all right so it's like how am i going to in, like show you that this whole concept of like cooking and eating healthy, although maybe you've built it out to be like a gigantic mountain in your head and it's going to be super hard to conquer. It's just actually a little molehill and it doesn't need to be that complicated. So I'm trying to like, well, open arms, like you don't need to be Jamie Oliver or Gordon Ramsay to cook, right? Like we can take this down a few notches. And I think that's the one th- sentence that really stood out in your bio on your website, okay. right? Is that you want cooking, that people need to realize cooking with real food. Cooking is yeah. the number one thing that's going to benefit their health. Like that, that, that in itself is like the underlying factor. It is though, right? Like, so I, when I got out of school and I was like, oh, it's like, I'm going to be a nutritionist and I'm going to change people's lives and I'm going to work one-on-one with clients. As soon as I started working one-on-one with people, I'd be like, okay, let's, uh, you know, you know, you know, let's bake some chicken breast and heart boil some eggs. And people would look at me deadpan and be like, how do hard boil eggs? And for me, it was like, I kept having these like aha moments of like, oh, like everyone knows vegetables are healthy, right? Like that is not new information. I'm not teaching you anything new, right? It's having the skills in the kitchen to be able to do that. That doesn't feel daunting. That doesn't feel overwhelming, that you're not going to be there for like hours on end because the reality is a lot of people just don't have that those skills, right? And I also know that I didn't have those skills. So I resonate with that. Like that resonates with me. You weren't, I connect you didn't that. cook. No, like when I, I mean, my mom was f- fantastic. She cooked everything from scratch. Like and I never really so paid you didn't attention grow, to it. You didn't grow up with processed foods. No, that's what's funny is I didn't really grow up with processed foods. If we had cookies, a lot of times my mom would bake them. Like it, there wasn't a lot of processed food in my house. So I have that like in my toolkit, so to speak. But mm-hmm. when I left home and I'm like, okay, I'm going after school. Okay. I've graduated. I never really took the time to learn how to cook. It wasn't until I actually like got out of school and I was like, okay, you need to figure this out because you can only eat like microwave dinners and, you know, takeout or whatever it is for so long. And I know, like I used to be so afraid of cooking. I remember I had a roommate at one point and I made him sit down on the couch with me and explain to me what herbs go with what meats, which is funny now because I feel like everything goes with anything. But like I I would just ask these random questions because I had no idea where to start. I have made so many terrible meals that like 
that's inedible or like, let's put hot sauce on that and like get it down the hatch. And my partner, John, will tell you that. He's like, yeah, she's made some nasty things. But it's, it's I just kind of, it's like, maybe it's the athlete You need the too. trial and error There's though, no right? way to learn without doing. Like you just have to go. And I, I remember if I wanted to like grill a steak or, you know, cook chicken a certain way, I would just go on YouTube and I'd be like, okay, and how, you know, Google it some man with a British accent comes on and tells me how to do it. Right. So, um, yeah, but for me, so my, I kind of want to pay it forward in a mm-hmm. way, cause I know what that feels like to be so freaked out in the kitchen. Uh, you we mentioned processed foods, so I want to start kind of digging yeah. in <laughs> when I say processed food, what, what triggers for you? Oh God, everything <laughs> for me, the, the, um, and, and what, how do you, how do you explain yeah. to the listener? How do you explain what, when, what, what processed food yeah, is? That's actually a really uh, good point is a lot of people throw that term around mm-hmm. and they don't actually understand what it actually means. So the example that I typically use is if you, you can think of food on like a spectrum of things. So at one end of the spectrum, you'll have the most natural unprocessed version of a food. And at the other end of the spectrum, you'll have the most processed version. And it doesn't matter what type of food you're talking about, everything made from that food can go on that spectrum. So to give an example, if we're talking about oatmeal, the most natural, unprocessed whole food version of oatmeal is like steel cut oats or rolled oats, right? Like you read the ingredients, there's nothing else to it. To me, real food is defined really simply. It's one ingredient. It comes from a plant or an animal and that's it. So in the oatmeal example, it's just oats, right? Then the other end of the spectrum is the most processed version of it. So it may be from oatmeal, but it's so far removed from the original format. So the example that I use is like dad's oatmeal cookies or something where it's got 20, 30, 40, 50 ingredients in it. We're like, yeah, it's from oatmeal, but it's not oatmeal in and of itself, right? And then if you think of this spectrum, you can have all of these different oatmeal products along that spectrum. So Going from natural to processed, you would have like um, steel cut oats, rolled oats, instant oatmeal, instant flavored oatmeal, granola, oatmeal based cereals, oatmeal bars, all the way to like the cookie example, right? And you can do that with any food. So if it's tomatoes. Okay, I love it. So let's go. Okay, yeah, so this like is, if, I love this because anything. people are going to think, okay, let's go tomatoes. Tomatoes. Like, on the, I mean, it's a little more obvious. Yeah. The actual tomato, right? On the far end of the spectrum, you've got ketchup. And then in the middle, as you go from natural to process, you've got, uh, you know, canned tomatoes, sun-dried tomatoes, uh, spaghetti sauce, barbecue sauce, ketchup, right? You're just getting so far removed from its original format. With added sugar, added ingredients, yeah. added... Some, something's been... I think... The, so I think what some people forget is you could, there's many different forms of processing. Something can be lightly processed or it can be really processed, right? So if you... Okay, the tomatoes, if you sun-dry a tomato... The sun drying it is processing because it's not actually a tomato anymore, but it's such a light thing, right? Where the ketchup version, there's added sugar, there's a ton of ingredients. It doesn't even look like a tomato. It's in a liquid format, right? You read the ingredients, there's all these extra things. Mm -hmm. So processed food is just in a way it's so far removed from what the original format was. The trigger for me to answer, to go back Mm -hmm. to that is that we call it food and it's not food. It's a food-like product. It's made from food or it's derived from food, but it's not actually food. So people are calling that stuff food. But to me, it's not food. I want that to sink in with people for like a second. Yeah. It's 
interesting because I love how you've done that on the spectrum. Yeah. Because now I look at it differently. Because for me, I see my processed food as when I go into my cupboard. Right. Right. I'm at my fridge. I feel good. As soon as I go into the cupboard, I feel like crap. Right. And I feel good when I feed the kids from the fridge. Yeah. And I feel like crap when I'm serving them things from the cupboard. Does that make any sense? Right. But in that, I've got like the soups, the canned soups or the, you know, the packaged snacks. Right. And I just think, my gosh, how far? I mean, my kitchen, my my fridge, (laughs) my cupboard are like five steps away. And yet... There's such a massive difference with what those two offer me. Yeah, like food is su- like food is supposed to go bad, right? So when you walk around the grocery store and there's stuff that's been on the aisle and the expiry date is like three months from now, it's like, what? Like, what is happening there? Like, of course, there are some real foods that could live in the pantry, like oh, your oatmeal can live there, mm-hmm. you know, some dried beans, some rice. All that stuff is still one ingredient. It's real food, but... Yeah, this in your example, like this, the stuff well, that okay. could live there, right? But it's not because I have, I could have plain dried rice, yeah. But I also can have like, and that's the rice that needs to be put in water and boiled, yes. right? Okay. I'm seeing yes. you're saying. But I can also have the Uncle Ben's two minute in the microwave flavored, flavored yeah. right? So it's that just, doesn't count <laughs> exactly. So it's just a, a few more notches down on the spectrum, mm-hmm. right? And. This should also be preface, like, I'm not sitting here on a pedestal. Like, I eat processed food. I eat cookies. I do all of those things. I just really want people to ensure that the bulk majority, you know, like, you can use the 80-20 rule. You can use it with anything. Like, 80% of what you are eating is coming from whole foods. And if you're doing that, then you don't, like, who cares about the other 20%? Like, have fun. Go to the cottage. Open the chips. Like, whatever. The, I like the, the 80-20 rule, I think. It's perfect. It, it, for, it's everything. for everything. <laughs> When you have a person that comes in, and I know it's like someone says, oh, you're a nutritionist, then it becomes a, so that you're about having people lose weight yeah. uh, or people are on diets. You put yeah. people on diets. Yeah. I would think, and I think for a lot of people, I hate that word diet. Likewise. Like it's such a, yeah, it's a horrible word. Yeah. Uh, yet it's, it's used to explain the ketogenic diet, the paleo yeah. diet, you know, the eat yeah. clean diet. Like I, I wish there didn't have to be that word following. Yeah. It, But what's your take? How do you see that word? Uh, I see it two ways. Like to me, the word diet, um, you know, stirs up like deprivation, starvation, restriction, like exclusion, right? Which to me, it has a very negative connotation. But like, if you look up the definition of diet, it just means what what a person habitually eats. So a diet is just a make up the food that you eat. So you can be on like a great diet or a bad diet. It's not the diet name or thing in and of itself. It's how you eat on it. So mm-hmm. I could be on a vegetarian diet, a keto diet, a paleo diet, whatever, like whatever name you want. But it doesn't necessarily mean I'm eating healthy just because I'm on that diet, because I could be following those diets and doing it with processed food. And you're missing the point, right? So I could be on a keto diet and eating keto packaged snacks, keto cookies, keto muffins, keto whatever, you know, mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Still doesn't mean that I'm eating whole foods or that it's necessarily any healthier for me than the other versions. Maybe a touch. The same thing with vegetarian or whatever. I can be eating pasta and Oreos and pasta is a bad example, but, you know, Oreos and veggie dogs and whatever. They're all vegetarian, but it's still not natural food. It's still processed food. When people refer to diet as just a means of losing weight. Yeah. How is that when you have a client that comes in and just and just simply says to you, I want to lose weight? Uh, happens a lot. Um, for me, it's like you have to take a step back to st- like take a step forward because it's 
losing weight in the like in theory and kind of in practice is actually really easy i can just get someone to like eat less drink a shake you know eat this little bar like d- deprive them essentially and they're going to lose weight but being healthy and maintaining that weight loss um is what's more important to me so we're talking about making like a radical change in the way that someone looks at food because i don't want i mean maybe it's great for some people but for me like i don't think it's ideal to be like okay i want to lose x amount of pounds in 10 days or whatever not 10 days excuse me 10 pounds in 30 days or whatever like that's cool and that might work for some people but for me it's like what happened okay what happens after the 30 days like what happens in a year from now what happens in five years from now like have you actually learned something have you actually changed your changed your habits did you add more recipes to your toolkit do you know what to look for in the grocery store so that in 10 years from now you're not on this annoying yo-yo of like oh it's monday oh it's the weekend right like I, i would think for somebody people to, to yo-yo. Yeah. And um, it's devastating, right? Yeah. Or they have highs and then lows and then with it become becomes, you know, depression and you know, because they, they they've it's been battling battling, right? Yeah. Food is and food is so emotionally connected to so many parts of our lives. Totally. Like the there's so many things to there to that, but um it is so emotional. So, so many times I'll have someone, whether they do maybe one of my programs or if I'm working with them one-on-one and they're like, just tell me what to eat. Right. Mm. Just tell, just give me a meal plan and I will follow it. And I'm always like, I don't want to do that because something's going to come up for you, a situation, a setting, and it's not going to be that easy to just be like, I'm following the meal plan. Right. Like we've got to figure out what are the hurdles that you're struggling with right now? Is it because when you're sad, you do this, when you're happy, you do this, you celebrate with food. Like what are the things that you're doing that we need to like tackle? And I'm not a psychologist, but like trying to do it in a more practical sense, right? Because that stuff's not going to go away. Like you're going to go on vacation every year. It's going to be your birthday. A weekend comes every five days. Like you've got to figure out how to manage those things. So it's not this constant swing of the pendulum, which is devastating. And the health and nutrition industry like takes advantage of that, right? They make it feel like it's your fault. Okay. How do you think they, they take advantage of that? This podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. They are a new breed of marketing agency that acts as your virtual marketing department, designing and implementing cost effective marketing strategies that will grow your business. I can speak to this personally, as I've been using the Extension Marketing team to help me launch and grow my business. Founder Pat Whalen has been a lifesaver for me, a genuine coach guiding me along the way into uncharted territory. Tell them you're a friend of the show and receive a free one-hour consultation. Check them out at extensionmarketing.com. Well, for for me, for one, there's just so much misinformation that... And I don't think it's all malicious. That's not what mm-hmm. I'm saying. But there's just so much misinformation that we're just trying to paint weight loss or nutrition like this silver bullet. Like, do this for this amount of time and everything will be solved. You know, do this for 30 days, follow this for six weeks, do that for seven days, whatever it is, or take this magic potion or the supplement oh, yeah. or this protein shake, right? Okay, that might work for a short period of time, but then what, right? It's not a silver bullet. And if you really want to create like change that lasts for the long terms, you know, if you go back to my avatar, you're a a woman, you want to figure this out for the rest of your life and your husband and you want to live healthy lifestyles and you want to set a good example for your children, right? Like that shake for 30 days is not it. It's there's like hard work that needs to be done. It's not like we're not curing cancer here, but like there's hard work that needs to be done, right? In order to make that last. So that my frustration with the diet industry is that it's this 
it's this magic solution kind right. of thing. Which is easier because as soon as you started to say this is going to be hard work, yeah. you lost half the people. That's the that's, that's the scary part yeah. is is people want the, the fix. They want yeah. the magic pill to... to but fit. what I, I would also say to that is it, it doesn't need to be like a zero to hero. You don't... I think a lot of people think of eating healthy as they're doing 100% perfectly or they're doing nothing at all, right? So hard work to someone is like, we'll I have to do everything perfectly for the next 30 days, six months, whatever it is. It's like, no, if this is a gigantic project, which it is for someone, because someone could be thinking of that spectrum that we just talked about. And they're like, oh man, like I'm 80, 20 the other way. Like I got a long way to go, right? So to think that just because you heard that, that you're going to be like, oh, I got it tomorrow, like good to go. It's like, no, like, it's an iceberg. You're gonna have to chip away at it and chip away at it and chip away at it. And it's okay if you have salad for you know lunch and then eat Oreos in the afternoon. Like you didn't undo what you're trying to do. You just have to keep going. And the work doesn't. The work is still hard, but it doesn't need to be like. There's no race, right? Mm, that's it. Right? There's no is race. It? Who are you racing against? But that's the problem, right? Yeah. Is that they're racing against, uh, you know, an end date, a yeah. goal, and they're not thinking that this is going to be life sustaining. Because, but the truth is, there is no end, right? Like, if someone is trying to, I think there is an end if they're consistently living on the eighty side the wrong way. I oh, think there, I think there really is the the real big correlation that if you are eating the eighty percent on the wrong yeah. side of the spectrum, that there is an expiry date a lot oh, quicker, to the, I you're saying. you know, yeah. I, yes, I think yes, of course. that there is something to that. And if people could see that, that is that expiry date is, is, is going to affect them. Maybe not yep. today and maybe not 15 years from yeah. now, but yeah. it's going to come closer than And it others. can come in many forms, right? Right. Wait, many different ways. Have you, have you had that, that, that clients come in because they re reached an expiry date of something like the diet ended up in diabetes in, uh, heart, you know, heart, yep. like that, that it has been the common thread. Yeah. There, there, I would actually say for myself personally, with my, mm -hmm. the clients that come to me, less of that, there've been a, some cases, but I know for people in my industry yes, that they do get more of, um, someone who's hit rock bottom, maybe to, to use that. Phrase. Their health has. Yeah. Their health has. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Their health has. So, so what I meant when I said that there's no end is my, like my thought process on that is, hypothetical situation. Yeah. Someone's trying to lose a significant amount of weight, right? So they're like, oh, when I lose that X number of pounds, I'll be good to go, right? Mm. But you, if you want to keep that off, you have to go into this thing with the mindset of whatever you're doing to get there, you're going to have to keep up a lot of those things. That's why it's those things that you're doing, this thing, the way that you're eating, the amount that you're exercising. That's why the habit forming to me is so much more um, important and like incorporating movement and healthy habits into your daily life, as opposed to getting to that goal. And I, I will do it at any means mm -hmm. to an end. Like it doesn't matter. Just like get me there. Cause okay. Once you've got there, well, you're going to have to keep, you know, cooking your food and exercise. Maybe it doesn't need to be as intense because your goal's not as intense. You're more in a maintenance phase, but you're going to have to keep a lot of those habits. Okay. So let's say this avatar comes in. Yeah. What are like the first what are usually the first changes that you make yeah. for someone? The first thing that I do is literally that spectrum example that I just explained to you. Because for me, every to see where they they stand on that to a, explain them yeah. to that to them, and then for them to have this moment of like, 
oh, like this is where I'm standing on it. Some people come in and they're like, wow, I'm doing actually a lot better than I think Mm -hmm. because the industry has made me feel like I'm doing a terrible job, but I'm actually doing a lot better. And some people have an aha, like, oh, I thought I was doing really well, but maybe I'm not doing as well as I thought because I'm using all those process quote unquote healthy foods right so i think when it when it comes to like nutrition the sexy things are uh supplements portion sizing what do i have before and after my workout what time of day do i eat you know how much carbs protein and fat and like all that stuff is great but if you think of it like a pyramid the gigantic foundation to it is that whole foods idea everything else is stacked on top like the supplement thing is the little one, two, three, four, whatever percent at the top. Because if you're doing okay, so all let's those think about things, it. okay, so let's yeah. do this for people so that they can visualize this as they're as they're listening. Yeah, we have a pyramid. Yeah, okay. Are we what do we have like five five tiers to the pyramid? Yeah, let's, about, I've never made a pyramid. Yeah, okay, this let's try this. Maybe okay. this will be on my website. <laughs> so what I would put at the foundation yes. is like you don't know where to start. You don't, you're like overwhelmed with everything. The first thing is that spectrum, like how much whole food are you actually eating? How much of your diet is actually coming from real food? Maybe you're 50-50, maybe you're 60-40, like wherever you are, just focus and don't even try and like, oh, I got to get rid of this stuff. Just focus on adding more in. Okay. And by default, you'll have less room for the junk and you're going to start to feel better. So it's going to make you want to do it more. Okay. So that's our big foundation mm-hmm. to the pyramid. Whole. Food quality. Food quality, yeah. whole foods. I would say, real, do you do? What's the difference between whole food for you and real food? Same thing. I Same use thing. Okay, I just like want. I want. Yeah, one I, ingredient items is kind of the way that okay. I describe it. So one like ingredient, an egg, a sweet potato, a piece of spinach. Like that doesn't mean that I can't combine those things to, but to make something that's raw, called real. cooking. Yes. Yeah, they're just like singular okay. things. That's our that's yeah. our base layer of our of our new pyramid. What's yeah. next? What I would put next is. Uh, Let's call it like, uh, let's call it like balance. Let's call it like macronutrients. So like carbs, protein, fat. Like are you, where, how is it skewed? If you think of it like a pie chart, let me take a step back here. All food is made up of three things. It's made up of vitamins and minerals, but predominantly it's made up of carbohydrates, protein, and fat. So if you think of with all of the whole foods or the food quality that you're eating throughout the day, the week, throughout the month, how much of it is coming from carbs? How much of it is coming from fat? How much of it is coming from protein? Right. But I'm going to stop this right now because... I, in my head, think of carbs as bread, pasta, yeah. rice, whereas carbs are equally found in my red pepper and my, yes. right? So it's so that's confusing for a yeah. lot of people. So that's... And it's confusing for me, and, and I kind of know. To- totally. So I would... Oh, gosh. Okay. I thought we were just building a pyramid. This is getting more intense. We are. Okay. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not meaning to say that. No, but, no. But you, because you I say, right, carb, be, because That's easy for me to say. Right. And I think for some people... They have their own pers- they have their own perspective of it, right? Yeah. When people so, say carbs to me. I, I just think the the grainy carbs. Like yes. The- so that is all part of the education tool to me, right? right? So explain the why so that people understand because everyone does not everyone a lot of people do think that right they hear the word carbs and they're like breads pasta muffins cookies right and they don't realize that like your celery your carrots your sweet potatoes your, your whatever fruits apples bananas are all also forms of carbohydrates, right? So everyone's like, oh, I'm never eating carbs again. I'm like, eating vegetables, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, you're eating carbs. So it's there is a piece, there's a knowledge piece there, but for I would say that's like the next layer to the pyramid. And mm-hmm. the reason why I put that there, because I think what a lot of people think the next layer is, is portion sizes. And to me, that's like way higher up on the pyramid because to me, 
portion sizes aren't actually a thing. And that's actually a really confusing part about nutrition. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Because this, I think, is like... I know. People are like, like, what like, is she like, talking I'm about? doing like one of these like mind-blowing things, right? How can portion control not be part so of this? This is... So portion control for me is a thing only depending on where you're looking at food on the spectrum. If you think about... Go to the whole food example, whole food, real food... It is really difficult to overeat some of those foods. So it is very rare that someone has a baked potato and they're like, screw it, let's have another bag of them. It's very common that someone may open a bag of chips, have one, and then eat the whole thing. It's very rare that someone's going to make scrambled eggs for breakfast and then eat the entire dozen, right? So food quality really starts to trump the conversation of quantity because in a way it starts to take care of itself. I think that really focusing on portion sizes is maybe more important if we're talking about like Doritos and Oreos and whatever it may mm-hmm. be. Like let's not try to not go wild on that. But when you're talking about real food, stating what portion sizes are in a way takes the control away from the individual. So it makes people feel like I need this external thing to validate what my own hunger cues are. But what we need to do is take this back and show people that they can actually trust themselves and trust their own hunger cues. Because when you start, let's say you only start eating whole whole foods, people get full. They're satiated. They're satisfied. And it helps to show people like, wow, that amount of food, like I'm good. If I tell people right now that you're going to get full on salad... They're okay. Gonna, they're gonna be like, yeah. But that so in that point is it's you're not gonna get full on salad because okay we can like turn this all around you're not gonna get full on salad because it's so low density calorically that you shouldn't get full on salad so keep eating the vegetables like this is kind of like a free for all you can almost eat as many of them as you want right but if you were to eat a chicken breast like it's rare so someone's gonna be like I need the entire roast chicken to myself because that serving of chicken that I have on my plate you're like I'm palate fatigue i'm over it so portion control with the understanding that if you're eating whole foods real food yeah go to town yeah portion control comes into effect when so what if on that plate you're putting as much salad and chicken and stuff as you want yes but there's like that other little triangle. Remember like the, the food guide there's like all (laughs) these little, you know, the way the plate looks where, where then does that? So I, so I'm not saying that you never need to pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying if you're coming from a place where you don't actually know how to listen to your own body and your own hunger cues, you may need to use them as guidelines. Okay. But the goal is to get people to a place where they can listen to their own body, trust their own body, and know how much food they personally need. How, how often do you find that people don't know their own hunger cues? That they just continue to eat because it's on the plate that, or when parents yeah. say you can't get up from the dinner table until you finished everything on your plate. Right. But think of how weird that, that's a whole other tangent, but <laughs> maybe we can come back to it. But that's also a weird thing to say because then in a way, and I don't have kids, so asterisks, um, if a kid is not actually hungry, like why are we telling them? To, maybe they're not actually hungry. Like if they're actually hungry, they'll come back in an hour and be like, I need the rest of my you know, snack or whatever it is. Right. So in a way it's like from an early age, my parents did this with me. It's like, are we trumping our own hunger singles? Like a baby knows when they're hungry and when they're not right. They know when they need to be fed, but then we get to a point where we're like, no, finish that. Yes. Don't eat that. Do eat that. 
And it's like, well, why are we doing that? Like, maybe they actually know better than we do as adults because we've been so forced to think all of these weird things about, you know, a, a portion size of a chicken breast is the size of a deck of cards. Well, is it? Maybe it is for me, but for my 80-year-old grandmother, that might be too much. For a 6'2 NFL linebacker, that's not going to be enough, right? So portion sizes are so individualized. So just saying it's, you know, one tablespoon of this or one cup of that, maybe it's a good, like, roadmap, but it's not the answer for everyone. Like, it's not that simple that you can just lay it across the board for everyone. Okay. Our board, our board is going up because <laughs> we've got, we've got our pyramid. Yeah. So we have our real rot. Yeah. Right. We yeah. have the carbs, protein, carbs, protein, fat. And then we have portion, portion sizes, portion sizes. Yeah. The next, th- the next thing that I would put for me is like meal timing. Uh, so how often do you eat? Um, which again, for me, everything is like built out of the foundation, Right. So if you're satiated, you're full, you're paying attention to your hunger cues, not that it's like, oh, it's solved. It takes care of itself. But the conversation of how often do I eat starts to become a little bit more organic because you're actually paying attention to how you're physically feeling as opposed to being like, it's noon, it's air quotes lunchtime. Therefore, I must eat lunch. How many people do that? Are they ever like, am I actually hungry? Am I actually hungry right now that I need to eat or am I only eating because it's breakfast time, lunch time, dinner time, snack time, right? So trying to pay attention. This is also like these things take work, but the end goal is that you pay attention, that you actually are able to answer that yourself and you're not just adhering to these times well, it's or meals societies, of the day. right? It's yeah. society viewpoints. I mean, we were, it was so ingrained and then it was always like, you need to eat a full breakfast before you leave, yeah. you know, like... And I, th- I think they're getting better in actual in the classrooms that they're allowing kids to be able to snack when when they're hungry, hungry right? Yeah. Rather than they having to hold off and you can hear them with their stomachs growling and everything waiting to get to a certain time when it's been the allotted. Yeah, this is when you're uh, this is when you're able to eat. So for people in the workplace yeah. who are under those scheduled time slots, yeah. what do you suggest? When they're under like a scheduled time mm-hmm. slot? I mean, if you're let's say, I don't know, you work somewhere where it's literally you can literally only eat at those hours. I would probably say reverse engineer thing so that it works for your life kind of thing. What I would say is maybe what's more important than that in that specific situation is what are you doing outside of those hours? Like, are you eating just like mindlessly on the couch at night? Do you open the fridge immediately when you walk home from work, even though you're not hungry, it's just a habit that you've built. So me, it's like paying attention to those things in this example. If it's like lunchtime is at X X time at my work. Okay. Yeah. Like, don't skip it because you can't eat at 2.30 or whatever it is, but try and make it work for you. There's no perfect, but it's just trying to pay attention to it a little bit more. I think that um, food is like everywhere all of the time. So it's super easy for a lot of people to eat. Whenever you just walk, get up, you walk into the pantry, you get something, you order Uber Eats, you uh, okay. want a snack at nighttime. I'm going to stop you there. Yeah. We're under the impression that people can afford to eat all the time yeah. or order yeah. Uber Eats yeah. or that it's available. So what, how do you, how do you tell people who are on limited budgets, yeah. aren't able to purchase yeah. always raw, real food because yeah. they've been, you know, if they're, if they're getting food from a food pantry, yeah. uh, we're on the other side, we're on that yeah. high processed yeah. food spectrum. So what would you suggest to them? Like, how would you, what are some foods or what are some things that they could be doing? Yeah that will be better for them. I would say that they're in that example, there is also a bit of a misconception that eating healthy has to always be more expensive. There are definitely things that are more Mm -hmm. expensive. Like I'm not going to say that there's not, 
But if you th- go back to like really simple whole foods, like a bag of rice, a k- chickpeas, a bag of lentils, a bag of potatoes, like how many things can you do out of that? Now, someone might say like, okay, I don't want to only eat rice and potatoes forever, which I totally get. Mm-hmm. But it would all, for me, it would always be like, okay, how can I maximize the amount of whole food within my budget. And if it means I've got a supplement with a can of soup here and some ramen noodles or whatever the example is, like not the end of the world. It's just how can you maximize within your own constraints the amount of whole food that you're actually incorporating. So it's the one real ingredient. So be able to take that and then maybe with the cooking is being able to find ways to add flavor or add other nutrition. That's a great example. Cause if let's say for example, someone's not great in the kitchen, they're going to look at a bag of rice and be like, what do I do with this? Right. Where someone who might have a bit more practice in the kitchen might be like, Oh, I can do like 12 different things with this. Okay. Right? Give me, so okay. The take a bag of rice. Oh God, 12. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Take a bag of rice right now. Give me five, give me five things, five recipes. <laughs> okay. Um, with just a bag of rice or like you know you were just oh i would do like i would use if i had like some spices or something that had some flavor you do like a rice pilaf kind of thing uh what do you mean by rice pilaf uh, like a baked flavored rice like uh as opposed to just boiling rice in a pot so something with like some spices or some anything with flavoring you could use like taco seasoning anything that will give it some flavor okay um you could use it for breakfast do like a rice porridge you got to get out of conventional North American meals here. You could use do like a rice porridge um, with rice. What else would I do with rice? How, how do you make a rice porridge? I don't even know how to the make it. The same way you do oatmeal. Okay. Like an oatmeal kind of thing. Um, so you could eat sweet is like that's mm-hmm. what you do with rice porridge. Um, I would just eat it with eggs, to be honest with you, like a fried egg thing. It's pretty inexpensive. You can get like a, eggs at an inexpensive cost. I'm trying to keep it cheap here. Um, in this example, uh, what else? Oh, God, now I'm on the spot. See, it's hard. This is how I feel every night sal- when they ask me what's salad? for dinner. A rice salad. So you have rice and you adding what to it? Some oil. Whatever scrap vegetables you have lying around, if you have any. Okay, can I ask you about yeah. your take on butter? Oh, I, it's a whole food. You're good with butter? Yeah, totally. 100%. I've got no problem with any dairy products at all. So, you, so you're full on yeah milk yeah I, i'm okay let me preface this is that there's no all whole foods are inherently healthy not all, all whole foods work for everyone right yeah so like it's not blanket statement like everyone eat dairy everyone eats soy everyone eat gluten but are they blanket statement all whole foods and can work in a healthy whole food diet Yes. Are there certain situations where it might not be, be ideal for people? Absolutely. Absolutely. How frequently now are you dealing with food intolerance? Uh, that's not a main um, a niche of my work, so not a ton. I recognize they are very common, but probably like a good 50% of my one-on-one clients were tackling some type of uh, digestion thing, elimination diet, food intolerances. How much is it making a difference when you are able to do food elimination or seeing what's causing inflation or seeing what's causing IBS? You know, like people have so many yeah. undiagnosed things yes. that are causing them serious pain, yeah. discomfort. Uh, How much is it making a difference? I would say a ton. Like I'm not going to say 100% yeah. of the time. Um but like 99% of the time, there's either a large improvement or a significant one that people are like, wow, I never recognized that 
these things were connected to all of these things because so much of the conversation around about food is around weight, right? right? That that's it's like literally like this direct connection that people make. Like people say to me, like, oh, you're a nutritionist. Oh, you help people lose weight. Well, like maybe, but what about all these other bajillion things? We've just been hit over the head with the idea that what you eat is either going to make you fat or skinny. And it's like, well, what about your energy? What about your sleep? What about your skin? What about your hormones? What about like all these other things that are going on in your body? Like we literally think sometimes people forget, like you are literally putting what you eat inside your body. Like it's going inside of you. So to think that it's not affecting, it's only affecting one singular thing and nothing else, your skin, your nails, whatever is like kind of funny in a way, but I get it. Cause I totally used to say, think the same thing. I was like, Oh, it affects my cognitive ability. It affects my sleep. It affects my heart. Like all of these different things that it can affect. I love it. Okay. I like our pyramid right now. It's <laughs> our looking, pyramid. It's looking. It's, I think I mean, we're it's, almost at yeah. the top. I think we are almost at the top. Can, okay. So where can I put junk food? In the pyramid? Well, I, we have this pyramid, right? And eventually we're going to oh, get Oh, I see to, what you're saying. Um, and what do you consider junk food? What do I consider yeah. junk food? Uh, I, I mean, I, the, I would put it at the top of the pyramid. There's no really other place to put it. I'm not going to put it in the middle of the pyramid. Uh, actually, you know what? I've never built this pyramid so with me here. Yeah, I guess I would put it at the top unless there's another place that I think of at a later date. And I, I find too, like, because I have this chat with my girlfriends all the time. Some of us are s- salty and some of us are sweet. Yeah. Right? Everyone has a different totally. version. Like for me, chips and dip. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm very much salty. I'm salty. I'm very much salty and ice cream. That's <laughs> <laughs> too. Yeah. I, and then yet I have others that just, they want their chocolate, yeah. their sweet, you know, candy. Like yeah. it's, I find it's very different. Yeah. There's what people... There's, I mean, there's some, I mean, I, it's not to say that's always the case, but there's, you know, blood sugar factors, there's hormone factors, there's tons of, there's also just like palate factors in terms of what, uh, there's like childhood factors that get back to that emotional connection of what are the things that maybe you mm-hmm. ate as a kid or you did as a family that trigger those like hunger cues. I find it fascinating. Me too. I, well, I find this whole topic fascinating. <laughs> okay. I want to hit on some of the things that I talked about earlier because yeah. I saw, I went through your website, saw really interesting things. Uh, why you should eat bone and meat. Yeah. What was the premise behind that blog? Uh, so the premise behind that blog is the fact that I think a lot of people are still hung up on, uh, well, there's a big conversation around is meat healthy or not in general. Um, but there's a big theory or concept that in order to eat healthy meat, you have to be eating chicken breasts or salmon fillets or ground turkey. And a lot of people avoid chicken thighs or essentially, you know, steak with a bone, anything with a bone. And... Uh, why that's kind of problematic in a few ways, but the from a nutritional standpoint, it's that people fail to recognize that all the majority of the nutrients that are found in foods, specifically animal-based products, come from the fat sources and areas around the bone, including the bone. So in order to get a lot of the nutrients that you would get from animal products, eating food around the bone, when it's cooked around the bone, all of those minerals are in the bone. They actually leach into the meat when you cook it. Um, So eating it bone in is really beneficial for that. It's kind of funny if you think about like collagen is really popular right now as a Mm -hmm. supplement, but the natural form of collagen comes from eating like bone in meat or cooking with the bones or making bone broth. So it's like, for me, there's, I mean, there's so many layers, but there's also a layer of sustainability. It's like, if you're going to eat animal products, like if you're only going to choose to use one cut of that animal every time that you eat, you're going to sadly go through a lot of animals. So the more that you can try to incorporate 
learning to cook with different cuts, the more of a sustainable hmm. way of eating it is. How you mentioned the bone broth because right now there's yeah. like um it's there's I don't want to call it fad, but yeah. But right, but yeah. like there's bone like there's bone broth, broth everything. Yeah, there's broth like, you know, pop-up shops, yes. right? Like yeah, yeah. but is that it's like a medicine food? Do you how do you look at a bone broth? Uh, so for me, bone broth is like it's kind of like funny in a way because it's People have been making bone broth. It's like ancestral. Like mm-hmm. I'm big into ancestral health, like going back to like, what do we do before we had grocery stores everywhere? Uh, people have been making it for thousands of years because the bones are such a rich source of nutrients. So yeah, is it um, like, like a medicine is food? something it is. behind yeah, it is. Chicken, not, you know, ch- totally. like grandma's a, chicken soup. It's a fad because it's like a, tr- it's come back as a trend, but it's not actually a fad. It's been around for th- hundreds mm-hmm. of thousands of years. So uh, that's a big thumbs up. For big you thumbs up. Okay. The other title I saw was the 11 low carb food swaps. Yep. I, I'm I like, I don't, I don't even think I remember all 11 off the top of my head. <laughs> okay. Can you give me a couple? Like, where do uh, you? Yeah. Oh gosh. Okay. Um, I know so, I'm putting on. No, it's these fine. Are just, these were like titles that I was like, these are going to catch attention. Oh gosh. Okay. Um, what, what do I have in there? Um, uh, cauliflower rice for rice. Mm-hmm. Um, lettuce wraps for like buns or things like that. Um, oh God. I actually don't mind the lettuce wraps because no, you find, I, I find the flavor of what I'm actually yeah. is meant to be in the sandwich or in the burger yeah. or something. It comes out better. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually wrote that blog post and I think I like preface it at the top of it, which by no means was I trying to vilify the original versions, right? right. Like rice is healthy. You can find good quality bread. Like it's not bad, but there are certain situations for certain people where eating a lower carb diet is beneficial. And if you're going to do that route, as opposed to buying low carb processed food, let's yes. stay on the real food end and pick carbs that have that are that pick foods that are lower in carbs. So to go back to your point earlier of like the word carbs, people only think of, you know, the starchy, bready, muffiny right. type things. It's like, no, you have all these fruits and vegetables uh, and different things that can still be sources of carbs. They just have lower concentration of carbs. Like another one would be zucchini noodles for, for Sanders spaghetti. Yeah. How to eat for healthy skin. Oh gosh. This was, this was a very long blog post and it was like, uh, people had asked about it a lot because I think people have actually started to put the connection together about what they eat and how mm-hmm. it impacts their skin. And it was a, I mean, the title sounds like it's really easy. Do these three steps kind of thing. How to, um, But if we go back to the comment of when you eat food, you're literally putting it inside your body. So it affects what's happening. Skin is an elimination organ, right? So whatever you put inside of your body, your skin is in a way is a reflection for the health of your interior in a way. Um, And what is becoming to keep this a bit top level, what is becoming more and more and more well known is that the root of our health in all shapes and form really starts in the gut and has everything to do with our microbiome and our gut flora and all of these different things. So if you're eating, general example, more of a processed food diet and you're negatively impacting your microbiome, or maybe you're eating foods that you're um, intolerant to or sensitive to, and they're impacting your gut and your gut lining, it's going to present itself through your skin. So it's A, figuring out like, let's get rid of some of the sugar and processed foods that are for sure bad. And then once maybe we've done that, then it's like, are there other things that are specific foods, like dairy in some cases, right? Doesn't work for everyone that may be infecting my skin or the the individual Mm -hmm. skin specifically. So it's like an inside out approach. And I think that 
obviously topical things work, right? But the like beauty market is gigantic for making your skin look look certain ways. And a lot of people make a lot of money off of it. But the reality is, is that like a 80-20 rule, 80% of it is going to come from the inside out, right? Like what is actually going on so that it's mm-hmm. the cells are growing in a higher quality, to use that word, way. Less damage. Can I ask you? Yeah. It's funny. Tony cut up a watermelon the other day. Yeah. <laughs> he was like chomping away at the watermelon. He goes, aren't you going to ha-? like, I didn't want some at the time. Yeah. He's like, he's like, yeah, he goes, it's good. For, like, and then he's like, well, it's really good for your skin. Yeah. And then I'd been complaining, you know, of the cottage cheese. And I, and there's like that correlation between watermelon and cottage cheese. And by cottage cheese, I'm referring to I, like your skin. I don't actually cheese. know. Yeah, I don't know that one, but I believe that it's out there. You know, like yeah. it's kind of like certain food. Like it yeah. was to say, it was like kind of making that reference, yeah. right? Like good things in the system. Yeah, help with help with the other things. Totally. Um, nine signs you're addicted to sugar. Oh gosh, again, I'm not going to remember all nine off the top of my head right now. Um, it was just the premise. The yeah, I know. But this is, I mean, if we're looking at all of the things that people are the most addicted right. to, like sugar is definitely number one. And sugar does, I don't necessarily mean like only candy, right? Like only straight up sugar. Sugars can also come in the form of carbs or processed carbs. Like why do people crave that all of the time? So it was kind of dissecting. Again, there's, there's a lot of layers to this, but what's going on with your gut health? What is your macronutrient balance? If you eat more carbs, you're going to crave more carbs, right? Like, but yeah, but I think, I think people don't realize where the sugars are hidden. That's, that, that that's like the number one thing, yes. right? Like, I mean, sugar, yes, but people are like, no, but I don't really eat that much sugar. I don't put it, it like it's in everything. Yeah. Like it's in your mayo. It's yeah. in your muscle. Like it's, it's in everything, everything that you're adding to your food. It's even in the healthy, you know, the healthy cereals, the healthy things that are even in the health food section of the grocery store. Like it's in those things. So I, I always tell people just generally like your sing- the single greatest tool in your toolkit when you're in the grocery store is looking at the ingredients. Like I don't really care what the numbers are on the nutrition panel. They're irrelevant unless you know what the ingredients are. So someone can be, it can be a product that has X grams of this, that, and that, but I don't know if those numbers mean good or bad until I actually know what the source of those things are. Okay. So when we talk about reading labels, mm-hmm. you're not looking at the, this percent fat, this percent sugar, That's this probably percent. the last thing I would That's look at. That's the last thing you're looking at. So it's fully the ingredients. Uh, fully the ingredients. Some, not, some people sometimes forget too, that they're listed from most to least, right? right. So unless I... I know what the ingredients actually are. The numbers are irrelevant to me. So uh, random example, if something is um, high in fat, I actually don't know if that's good or bad until I know what the source of the fat is as an ingredient. Is it coming from random examples? Is it coming from avocados, butter, or coconut oil? Or is it coming from vegetable oils or canola oil? That's Those are very different things, right? So the number is only really relevant if you know what the actual ingredients are. Some people are like, oh my gosh, this is really high in carbs or low in carbs, but cool. But is it for a good reason or is it for a bad reason? Is it something really low in sugar and carbs because they've flavored the entire thing with artificial sweeteners? Like that's not a trade-off that I'm willing to make, right? So I don't care what the numbers are until I know what the ingredients are. Once I know what the ingredients are, sometimes I'll look at the numbers, but oftentimes we can't understand the ingredients though. to put it back, right? Like that's a red flag though, right? So if you're looking at something and you don't know what a lot of the things are, go back to that spectrum. Not a lot of whole foods here, right? 
And when I say that, that whole food example, people are like, oh my God, well, I'm not only going to cook from scratch all of the time. It's like, no, that's not what I'm saying. You can go to the grocery store and find yogurt and find spaghetti sauce and find cereal and find granola bars that are completely made of whole foods. hundred percent. There are tons of them. It doesn't matter if you're at independent Sobeys, Loblaws, like it doesn't matter where you are. They do exist. There may be a hundred different yogurts on the shelf and only two of them are going to qualify. They're there, but you've got to look for them. You look for them once though. And every week when you go back, you know exactly where they are. Maybe there's 30 granola bars. Yeah. 28 of them probably not going to be great. There might be one or two that are right. So it's Standing in the aisle. And I remember there was a time period where I would look at the ingredients on every single thing. And it was a huge 180 in the way that I shopped. But then once I looked at them, I don't have to do that every time that I go back. I do it the first one, two, three times. And then I know the answer, right? I know that those crackers are better than those crackers, that that spaghetti sauce has no added sugar. I know, you know, that soup's a great choice. Those ones are not. You just need to look once and then you know. But reading the ingredients list is like bar none, the biggest tool you have in your toolkit. It's also doesn't require that much knowledge, right? Like looking at the numbers on the nutrition panel, unless you have like a, you have a concept of how many calories, grams of carbs, protein or fat you need to eat. People are like, is this good or bad? I have no idea. I don't even know where I stand, right? Ingredients, easy to understand, straightforward. Mm -hmm. Unless it's like quinoa and that's like a weird word you don't understand, but... <laughs> but we know quinoa's good. We know quinoa's good now. Quinoa's good, yeah. so at least you know that. Yeah. Um, okay, a couple reasons why you aren't losing weight. That was... Uh, you had 12 reasons, but I just to give me a couple because I'm looking at uh, the time. Yeah. Food quality, yeah. hidden sugars. Um, the next one would be... that kind of goes back to that carb conversation is like, are you well balanced? Maybe you're not eating enough protein, you're not eating enough fat, you're not eating enough carbs. Goes back to that macronutrients balance thing. But I think like the hidden one that I had on that list is sleep. It's really huge. And I think that people are really narrowly focused on food and nutrition. Those are the, excuse me, nutrition and exercise. Those are the really big rocks. Absolutely. But there are lots of people who are doing those things really well, but they're stressed out to the nines and they can't sleep and they have really poor quality sleep. That's going to be, it's going to be a deterrent when it comes Mm -hmm. to weight loss It's going to keep your cortisol levels high. It's going to make it more difficult for your body to drop that stored energy because that's weight is. So if your body is stressed out, it might think that something bad is going to happen. It's going to try and keep that stored energy on you. So trying to mitigate that, easier said than done, right. depending on who you are, is really important. Okay. And the last one that I picked out was the uh, why you should rethink cholesterol. Oh, that's that's like a big bomb. At the end. Yeah, <laughs> it's a big I, one. I know. <laughs> we have like two minutes left on the clock, but we're going to throw that one out. We're going to try. Um, oh, gosh. How do I make this short and sweet? It's okay. I'm going to go over in time. Um, I think it was... Not that I think, obviously like cholesterol has been vilified forever and ever and ever, but what has been discovered is that cholesterol is more protective mechanism in the body than the root prob- cause of the problem. So I'm going to give a really simple analogy, which like biologists might not like this, but I'll just use it. If you think of your like um, arteries as like tubes they would continuously discover chunks of cholesterol stuck to these like tubes in the interior lining. So it was like, that is the problem. We have to get rid of that. Why is that accumulating here? So don't eat that is basically like in really simple terms what happens. But what they've figured out is that that cholesterol may have been stuck there, clogging or blocking, but it was trying to solve a problem or help you out. It was clogging something that was broken. It was like 
clogging a hole in the tube. It was the solution to the problem that was caused by sugar. So I get that. I can, I I get it. So then the second piece of that is, is why it's been compounded that you don't need to stress necessarily over um, how much you eat from a dietary perspective, asterisks, there's always situations where it is important. I'm not a medical doctor, um, is that your body will self-regulate how much cholesterol it produces. So you have a number of total cholesterol. If I eat more, my body will produce less. If I eat less, my body will produce more. So I think people think it's like a what comes in is what the end result is going to be. But your body is smart. It's their job is to protect you. So it helps take self-regulate what your total cholesterol amount ends up being. It's funny because I remember having making my hard boiled eggs. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then having one and then taking the yolk out of the second yeah. one. And then I was like, why? Why am I doing this? Yeah. Right. It's just you hear things, you listen to the reports yep. and then it's like, oh, this is bad. Oh, no, it's good. Or, or no, that the egg isn't fully beneficial if it's not having the whole egg. Yeah. No, it's super confusing. <laughs> it is so confusing. Yeah. I right? used to do so, too. Egg white omelets. Yeah. Oh, they also taste terrible. Like things without fat and cholesterol don't taste good. So it ends up making you crave more things like sugar. Right. It's all connected. It is all connected. Yeah. The one thing we didn't get to was kind of like cooking, but that's yeah. going to be something that I think people are going to have to go and look and see what recipes they like and what they're willing to try. So when you go to your website, yeah. um, Stephanie K Nutrition, yeah. K, like, and K is K-A-Y, yeah. you know, where should they start? Because I started yeah. looking through all these great articles, yeah. and yet, you know, is there a way for people to learn recipes, cooking, yeah. other ways? I think actually the best place to start, because like you said, there's like, at this point, there's over 200 recipes, there's like yeah. over 200 blog posts, is I have a five-day real food, like, challenge, if you will. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of this like quick starts, start, quick start guide on that spectrum, what it is, what it looks like. It's not long. It's a few pages. And then it's a five days of emails, like this five day thing of like just getting like this kickstart and understanding this concept. And then out of that, again, it's, there's no rush. It's not a zero to hero out of that as you want to dabble in the kitchen, the recipes are there. There's a seven day meal plan. If you want to learn more about specific topics, macronutrients, sugar, cholesterol, there's the blog posts for that. But so I think that would be the simplest place mm-hmm. to start as opposed to just going and saying, oh, I'm going to read all these 400 pages, yeah. like probably not ideal. <laughs> just probably, I got, I got yeah, intimidated was, yeah. just being able to do that. I like that. The five day challenge. Yeah. Kind of a good way to start. And the information's all there. Yeah. The information is all there. Um, yeah. Just put in your email, easy to sign up and then mm-hmm. away you go. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Stephanie K nutrition.com. Uh, it's just K nutrition. K A Y K A Y nutrition.com. K nutrition.com. Yeah. Uh, and there's a ton of stuff. I mean, this, these are the subjects where I can be like, why do I even stop it? Like it doesn't an hour end, plus. Right? It doesn't end. <laughs> but hopefully we've been able to inspire like just a couple of, for me, it's like if someone changes like one or two things, Likewise. you know, it's we're we're ahead of the game, That's right? What, and yeah. slow, like, I, you know, small steps. And, you know, you don't see this as this massive kind of, as you mentioned, right? They're looking at Everest and you're like, it's really just like a yeah. little, it's just a little bit, but it's like a it's little It's almost hell. like when you take on everything all at once too, it's like you're good on Monday, you're good on Tuesday, you're good, and then by the end of the week, you're like, screw it, I just I'll do yeah. nothing, right? So it's like, no, 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 let's just 
tack on one little little thing thing. and like every little victory adds up into a gigantic change i love it thank you so much for uh, for the information and sharing so many big like tidbits and i think in the next blog post it's going to be like this pyramid pyramid (laughs) download document there might be for sure uh that is a wrap on living your life with leanne lang please like share subscribe let people know the podcast exists it's the best way to get things growing uh and to get people in and i love the fact that there are new people coming to the podcast every day and going back and listening there's like 70 some in there already so go back and find the topics that uh, really resonate with you listen like share subscribe really appreciate all the support thanks a lot have a great day i'm matt kundle host of the sound off podcast the show about podcast and broadcast since 2016 we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.